Hello, audiobook fans. Welcome to another episode. Today, Harper Audio presents RWA. What is RWA, you ask? It's the Romance Writers of America, and they recently had an annual conference in New York, so that meant the city was overflowing with romance authors, and we brought a plethora of them in to be interviewed for the pod. A little later in the show, we're going to have a roundtable discussion all about what it means to be a romance author, including a murderer's row of romance bestsellers with Sherris Michaels, Alicia Rye, Megan Frampton, and Jennifer Ryan. But first, we're going to chat with the author of the Bridgerton series, Julia Quinn. We talk about her experience in the quiz show The Weakest Link, what it's like to have her work optioned for Netflix by Shonda Rhimes, and more. Julia also steps up to play the dreaded self-awareness game. Without further ado, here's Julia Quinn. If someone were to go to your website, which I did in preparation for this, they would see that the first line of your bio states that you, quote, love to dispel the myth that smart women don't read or write romance, end quote. Um, I really love a bio that starts as bold as that with like a, a statement like that. Is it fair to say that that is your MO as a writer, as a romance writer? And have you seen like positive steps in erasing that myth? I've definitely seen positive steps. Um, I mean, I've been doing this now for 25 years, which baffles me. <laughs> it's it's almost officially half my life. It's like um, the silver anniversary. I think that's right. I think so. I don't know why I know that. I'm not like Wait, does that mean people. someone at a going to be giving me silver next they, year? They are now. Excellent. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I've been here. That's another thing that's kind of special. Is I, I'm, I'm definitely homegrown. I have been with Avon uh, and HarperCollins. Well, before they were part of HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. But I've been here my entire career with the same editor the entire time. Wow. That's hard to do. <laughs> I know. I know. Because usually either authors move somewhere or editors move somewhere. But both of us stuck where we were. And so we we have literally grown up together. So it's been, it's it's really special. Um, but back to the smart women thing. Um, yeah, I, I have seen that over the years. And I think it's due to a lot of um, more and more positive press and you know, the writers feeling emboldened to speak more frankly about what they do and their backgrounds. And, you know, it used to be, you know, I was like this crazy oddity, you know, people would be like, wait, you went to Harvard? And I'd say, <laughs> well, yeah. And 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 it'd be funny because it'd be like, yeah, you know, and there are four more of us who did too, just like right around the corner. And, and it's like, why are you so surprised? And it it and I don't want to say like you have to have gone to a school like Harvard to be smart. I mean, some of the smartest people I know and the best romance writers I know didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that is kind of a marker for people. And it's yeah. it, you know, it's it's a way for people who don't understand anything about the world to sort of have something to signify something. But um, I've definitely seen seen that changing. To also stay in your website bio for just a second, it's going to take all my energy not to make the entire interview about this. Okay. Um, you won on an episode of The Weakest Link in I 2001, did. which is the most 2001 statement I feel like anyone can make is like, I was on The Weakest Link. Yes. That show's not in existence anywhere anymore, is it? I don't think so. And yeah. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, is it really lame to have something in my bio <laughs> from 2001? For but, me, no. I'm okay. the perfect audience for that. See, and I, 
it, it was very, very cool. So uh, I'll back up. I'll tell you the whole story. <laughs> um, in 2000, I was actually living in England, in London. Um, my husband is a doctor. Uh, he is a professor of infectious diseases, actually. So all the really gross stuff. And I yeah. always tell people that he's the guy you never want to have to see. I mean, if you have to see someone, <laughs> you want to see him because he's great. But if you do, there's probably something really yeah. disgusting happening. And um, But he was studying at the London School of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene. And the weakest link was, it was a British show originally. So were you on the British one, not the American no. import? Okay, I was okay. on American import, but yeah. with the British host. Yeah. Yeah, with Ann Robinson. I was addicted to it. I had I had this little baby, and I'd be, you know, I'd back in the apartment nursing, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, this show is amazing. And it was actually better in British. Yeah. And I say that in British, meaning like British English than American English. In the kings, yeah. <laughs> Not just that, but like the Brits. Because the Americans tried yeah. to be really sassy and talk back to her. Mm-hmm. And, and they were just lame. They just looked. They seemed horrible. Whereas the Brits, they tried a little bit, but then they were just, they kind of took it. And at the end, when they, like, would do the exit interview of the people who had been kicked off, they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to show my face at the pub. And uh." (laughs) And it was just really funny. And I loved it. And so fast forward, I'm back home. I'm living in Denver, and I'm driving along, and— I hear this ad on the radio saying that they're having tryouts for the weakest link. And I swear it's amazing I didn't rear, you know, rerun the person in front of me. I was just like, oh my God. And so I call my husband, who is a medical resident, so he's pretty busy. And I was like, on Sunday, blah, 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 whatever date that is, I'm like, you have to be home. You have to, you know, you're watching the kid. It's not on me. And he's like, and this is because. And I was like, there's a weakest link tryout. So I went and I did all that and I tried out. And they have, first you have to do a written test and yeah. then you have to like, do a little they video some of you playing a mock game and to make sure you can actually speak yeah and um and that was that and they're like well we'll call you and you know they didn't call me in anything and I didn't hear anything and then actually this is this is kind of the sad part of the story um that was 2001 and then 911 happened mm-hmm. and a little bit after 911 they called me because nobody would agree to fly to Los Angeles wow. to be on the show. Everybody was afraid to fly. Yeah. And I actually was not, I had been one of the people who had been stuck away from home. I was actually in New York yeah. or right outside New York City when it happened. I was supposed to be in Manhattan that day, but I wasn't. Um, and so we were stranded in, in Westchester, which for those of you who don't live in New York is in just a suburb. Yeah. And so we flew home on, I think, the 16th. And, um, you know, it was it, you know one of the first flights out of LaGuardia, and it was it was crazy. But you know, we'd done it, and I was like, no, I can fly to LA. I, I'm fine with that. And so that's how I ended up. That's on amazing. I had no idea my yeah. research about that. Well, yeah. it's, that's not really such a cheerful thing to put in your bio. No, no, um, I wouldn't put that. Yeah, keep that out of the bio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can talk about it now, mm-hmm. but. Um, and so then they have you go, and like there are eight people in the show, but they bring in twelve, and so mm-hmm. you still don't know who's going to make it. And although it was pretty obvious one person wasn't, because they give you like these clear instructions, like don't wear a t-shirt with a logo on it. And this one guy shows up with a t-shirt with some logo on it. I'm so like, they have extras just in case people are knuckleheads, basically. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And then and then they film you, and um, and it's just surreal because like the lights are like dun 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 coming down on you. And all I remember is the whole time being like stand up straight, stand up straight, like holding myself really rigid because like I just I wanted to hear everything. But I, I, I remember the question that I won on had to do with, it says, you know, what is the name of type of house built in the Bengali style? And it was bungalow. Mm-hmm. And I asked her to repeat it, and she was like, the Bengali style. And I was like, <laughs> oh. Are you still a an amateur trivia master? Do you have any any triviaing that you still do? 
not like officially, but I'm told that when Jeopardy does come on TV, I make a really scary face. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I get, I, I kind of black out everyone else yeah. when I'm watching Jeopardy on TV. Yeah. Um, to, to shift now off of the world of trivia, because we have to. Okay, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Where do you see romance as a genre being in five years and 10 years? Do you, do you think it's going to get healthier or less healthy? I think in some ways it's getting healthier because there's just a lot more out there. There's a lot more diversity. Um, a lot if, if, if the story you like is not something that's been around for a while, that is, has been popular. I mean, I've been very fortunate as a writer in that what I really like to read and what, what I really like to write was also something that was very popular, you know, Regency yeah. romance. And so I was able to make a living at it. But there are a lot of people who wanted something a little different. They wanted, you know, a certain type of fantasy romance or they wanted something, you know, with gay characters or they wanted something set in ancient Mesopotamia and set in on the the set of The Weakest Link. Yeah, they're just waiting for that. It's not that romantic. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah. But, you know, people wanted that and now I think you know, you're still not going to have as much selection as as, you know, the people who want, you know, the the workplace romance in Manhattan because you definitely find that no problem, but you can. And I think that you know, a lot of that has to do with ebooks. Um, both Self-publishing has taken off in a way that mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would have predicted. You know, 15 years ago, people who were self-publishing, you know, we all kind of poo-pooed on them. Like, yeah, like vanity publishing, like, right. Mm-hmm. And now it is it is a legitimate powerhouse. Um, I have friends who do it, and they are just, they're amazing. They're amazing writers. They're amazing businesswomen. And they're, they're making bank, yeah. too. It's, and, I mean, it's easier to do. It's easier to understand and easier to find for the consumer, I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not saying like, you know, I, I want to put a warning there for people who do want to self-publish. I'm not saying everybody's succeeding wildly, <laughs> but people are. And 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 it's making just more out there for everyone. And I think that is wonderful. But at the same time, it's also putting out a glut. And so I think it can be harder to find the really good authors because there's so much out there. For for the people who are trying to go through the glut and finding the the good novels and the bad novels, what to you is makes the major difference between a bad romance novel and a great romance novel? Boy, it, it really boils down to the author's voice. Um I think well, I think that's what'll get you from a good one to a great one. I think it's a different question. What's Going from a bad one to a good one or a bad one to a great one is a different question than going from a good to a great. Okay, so then from a good to a great. From a good to a great yeah. is the author's voice. And that's the is, upper echelon. Yeah. And that is intangible. Um, it really, you know, there are some author's voices who just grab you and just, you know, you you just love hearing it in your head. And... You know, I wish I could like pinpoint what makes an author's voice great or not, but you can't because it's d- d- really depends on the reader. Yeah, that's kind of like the intangible. I feel like like you can learn how to 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 storyboard, and you can learn how to write dialogue. You can learn all these things, but it's hard to learn yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. That's a really like impossible thing to try to do if it's not your own. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of voices, uh, there is a lot of praise out there, in particular for the way that you write male characters. And I want to know, how do you approach writing the opposite sex? Is there something you do different than everybody else? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even aware there Just was stumped, particular yeah. praise for this. Um, 
I don't know if it's like there's like particular praise for this or just sort mm-hmm. of noted that one thing I I do differently than a lot of authors who who are successful is I don't really write the alpha, the uber alpha guys. Yeah. I mean, they'll often have certain alpha tendencies or they have alpha moments, but um, I kind of joke that every time I try to write a bad boy hero, he goes and does something nice. <laughs> and I, I think it's, I, I don't want to be treated like a piece of crap and in yeah. life, and I don't think my heroines do either. <laughs> um, and Which isn't to say, you know, there. I mean, there are moments in the books where, you know, the the characters don't treat each other very nicely, both male and female, um, because that's that's also life, mm-hmm. and you have to get past it. But I, I just I I in general I like nice people in yeah. life. I um, get what you're saying, where there's a difference between conflict between people and someone being a serial, just like terrible person boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and 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 you know I think we've all read books. Um, and it was, we're talking about Roman specifically where, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, wow, I give these people like three months. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, you're just like, I don't understand how these two are going to stick together. And, I mean, one thing that I really want to make sure is that at the end of the book, you think, okay, you know, even if you don't like the book, even if you don't like the characters or whatever, you know, that you think these, yeah, they'll stick together. And not just because it's Regency times and they can't get divorced. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no other option. Yeah, yeah, that's true. My characters, they're stuck, really. Yeah. But, um yeah, that they'll they'll make it and they'll they'll be happy and they'll will you know treat each other with respect even when the other person is driving them nuts. <laughs> um, this being a audiobook focused podcast, have you listened to your books on audio? No. <laughs> you, no. Are you deathly afraid? Your eyes just like lit up. Yeah. Like no. No. Yeah. No. And and I know I have amazing narrators, especially the one who's doing the current books. Rosalind Landor is mm-hmm. fabulous. Um, but I, I can't, um, I, I had a very, I had a very bad experience with, with, with an audiobook, not my own. Um, <laughs> I was driving across country mm-hmm. and, uh, and this was, I, I think you still can do this. You stop at a Cracker Barrel and you get like, well, it was tapes then you would get an audiobook on tape yeah. and then you go to the next Cracker Barrel and you'd trade it in for another one. It was great for driving across country. And we got, you know, it was some sort of women in jeopardy, you know, suspense type thing. Mm-hmm. And and I had read another book by this author and really liked it. And so I thought, oh, this would be great. And it was the most awful tortured experience. <laughs> and and I was like, I'm never getting like unabridged audio again, yeah. which is really funny because everybody's always like, oh no, you have to get the original. And and not only have did I never get unabridged, I've not listened to another fiction audiobook since. I can give you some recommendations for some fiction ones that are really good in audio. Well, I, for this well I have yeah. heard I really should do the entire Harry Potter series. Oh yeah, they're really they're really fun. And yeah. that, things that are that are series like that that have the same person narrating from beginning to the end make it. But I feel all like I would need yeah. to like drive the perimeter of the nation, <laughs> including Alaska and Hawaii, to have enough time to do that. So. I know a lot of people do it like in their car on their commute. I'll tell you, for me, what works the best with fiction in particular is Get in bed before you go to sleep. Turn off, or just like get in a room, turn off the lights, and oh. play it. That kind of like shutting out the rest of the world kind of makes it easier that does for sound me. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that when you started writing the Bridgerton series, that you didn't intentionally set out to write something that would be optioned for television. <laughs> that would be a no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now Netflix is adapting the series. Uh, what has that process been like? 
for you. Can you walk me through that? I, I can walk you through it to some extent, um, mostly just because you know, I'm there's a we're still so early that yeah. in, in the process, I don't know. I mean, basically, my agent called me and said, I just got a phone call from a representative of Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. You know, and he was kind of baffled. I mean, not baffled because he, I mean, we both obviously love the series and believe in it, but Hollywood has not traditionally looked to romance novels for source material. Mm -hmm. Um, A few contemporary ones have gone like on the Hallmark Channel or something. Or not Shonda. Not Shonda and not, um, you know, a really, you know, a big budget series and not historical romance. Even though, you know, everybody kept hoping Downton Abbey would open the door. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Downton Abbey, and it wasn't, if you took Downton Abbey and turned it into a book, it wouldn't be a romance novel in the way that we define them. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of romance, historical romance aspects to it. And I kept thinking, somebody's going to look at this and think, wait a minute, we could turn here. But what would happen was somebody would look at that and think, oh, let's do Jane Austen again. Yeah. You know, because she's classy. But how and many times can you do Jane Austen? A lot. You can do it a lot, <laughs> really. Um, and yeah. and I love it, Jane Austen. Believe me, I'm the first one at to see every adaptation. I mean— which also just goes to show that there's a hunger for this. And so, you know, people have asked me, like, oh, were you out there shopping around? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, because it, it just it did not – it really didn't occur to us that anybody would would be after it. And so, anyway, so they they called and they just said, you know, are the rights still available and would she be interested in talking to us? And I'm like, yeah. yes and yes. <laughs> uh, it's like, <laughs> who wouldn't want to talk to Shauna Rhimes about yeah. something? Um and so, and then it took actually quite a long time for the deal to get first done and then announced. It was from from that moment to the time it went public was a year and a half, which was okay. yeah. really kind of amazing. And there were a number of reasons for the slow pace. You know, she was in the process of leaving ABC and going to Netflix. And so that mm-hmm. did stuff and, you know, other, lots of things happened. Um, but then it went public and that was about a year ago. And then um, now it's been back in the news a lot more because they cast Julie Andrews. I saw that, yeah. Which I basically stopped breathing. <laughs> um, I mean, I stopped breathing for long enough that I legitimately should be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, she – and so, of course, the next question people ask me is, are you going to get to meet her? And I, I don't think so because she actually has a voiceover role. Yeah. So I don't see why she would be on set. I am going to visit the set, but I don't see why she would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, unless she wants to meet me. <laughs> oh, which of course she does. I'm well, sure. You know, yeah. we're, we're both named Julie. So. <laughs> um, so, so who knows? But um, yeah, so so that happened, and then they've been announcing the the they did the, the cast regulars, and there'll be a casting announcement soon, or probably by the time this aired, it will Ooh, already have happened. Yeah. Of recurring characters um, mm-hmm. for the first season, or more regulars. It's a very big cast. I don't know. So it's been back in the news again, so it's been very exciting. And they just, this week, started production. That's Um, amazing. So I don't think they've actually started filming yet, but they've done read-throughs, and they're starting Mm -hmm. rehearsals. And um, it's very odd, though. I was lying in bed thinking about this last night. You know, I'm I'm looking at pictures people are posting from the set on Instagram and things (laughs) like that. And it's suddenly weird. You know, I've always said when you write a book— when you're done, it's like you have a social contract with the reader. You're putting out there. It's like, you know, I wrote this book, but I'm putting it out there. You can say whatever you want about it. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be mean like or rude to me as a person, but you can be say like I'm a terrible writer or what you think about the book, and that's fine. You know, it, it becomes something else, and it's not me anymore. 
and and I see that about this, but it's very weird to think that all of this is going on, and I I don't know everything, yeah. and, you know, and it's so far away because the whole thing's being filmed in the UK, and yeah, it's 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 a little surreal. Um, going a bit into the future, first come scandal is coming out in March. Can you give us a little sneak peek at what to expect? Um, it's Nicholas Rokesby, who's the youngest Rokesby, and Georgiana Bridgerton, who's the youngest Bridgerton in this generation. This is a generation earlier than the Bridgertons, who mm-hmm. who we all know. And um, I don't want to give everything away, but one thing I'm excited about with it is Nicholas Rokesby, since he's the youngest, he knows he's, he's definitely not going to inherit the title or anything or much. And so he's actually studying to become a doctor up in Edinburgh, which was... Um, the best place to study medicine at the time if you didn't speak German. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you you could study in Germany, I think, I want to say Leipzig, but I'm not sure. Um, and there were some amazing schools there, but for English speakers, it was Edinburgh. So, so part of the book will be set up there, and I have always really loved the history of science and tried to work some of that in in small ways in my books. And so now I get to have more history of medicine stuff. But it's tricky because, you know, I'll ask my husband, since he's a doctor, mm-hmm. questions, and then I have to be like, okay, and so I have to describe something in a way that is medically accurate in the way I'm describing it, so something will present properly. But then I have to remember, like, people don't understand how things work. So when they actually, <laughs> when they actually talk about it, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so it, it is funny because I've, I've put medical things in books before. And one of the funniest ones was in Just Like Heaven, I had a scene where the hero got, he has a cut on his leg that gets terribly infected. And I wrote the scene where, you know, they're trying to treat him and I, I had my husband read it and he he doesn't read much of my stuff. He, he is somewhat behind, but he read that scene <laughs> and he, he read it and he looks at me and he goes, yeah, he goes, he has to die. <laughs> Like, there's no way around this. Yeah, and I was like, oh, no, no, I don't think you understand how this works. <laughs> this is the hero of the book. <laughs> he can't die. And he's like, oh. He's, oh, he will be. He's yeah. like, he will die. He goes, unless you turn this into a time travel and get him a shot of penicillin. <laughs> unless um, you make this, a, like, outlander. I know. Like, yeah. and he didn't know that. He didn't know that book, which is really funny. Um, he's, um, he's like, you, but I love that you did. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's going to die. So I'm like, okay, I took the scene back, and I toned it down. Mm-hmm. And You put I, a DeLorean in there, and then, yeah. <laughs> Um, And so then I had him look at it again. I said, okay, let's assume that for reasons nobody fully understands, everybody has recently washed their hands. And, you know, it's it's just, and and everything goes right. You know, nobody accidentally sneezes on it. Um, Could he live? And so we got to the point where, like, you know, if everything went right and a lot of luck, he he could make it. And I was like, all right, we can do this. Um, How many books total have you written in your career? Well, if you're only counting novels— No, I just mean in general. Okay, well, then I don't know. But um, (laughs) I could figure it out. (laughs) For novels, um, not counting the one coming out next year, I think, is 27. That is a lot of books. That's a lot of books. It's a lot of words that you put to paper. And today, we're going to test your memory of them. It is now time to play the self-awareness game. Uh, So these are all going to be clips from audiobooks of yours. They are short— just a paragraph. They can be from anywhere within the whole book, and you need to identify what book they came from. Oh my gosh! I feel like you should have like a photo of the face I'm making right Before. now <laughs> to, to advertise like this podcast being like we made her make this face. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay though. Okay. Uh, to make it a little bit easier and not quite as random, I only selected clips where characters were talking about love because like they don't do that very okay, often in your is, books, right? This is 
romance. Like, okay. Um, are you ready? No, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> All right, here's clip number one. If someone I loved was in danger, Billy said with quiet intensity, I'm quite certain I could be moved to violence. For years, George would wonder about that moment. Something changed. Something shook and twisted. So that's clip number one. Do I speak now? Yeah. Oh, well, you, you kind of... I'll be honest, if the characters' names weren't in it, I'm not sure I'd get it, but that's because of Miss Bridgerton. You are correct. Yay! Knowing your characters' names is going to help you out a lot in this, which uh, not every author always does. So I appreciate that. I, I would have had a fighting chance without the names, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure I would have gotten it. All okay, right. all right. Here's clip number two. Once Emma was convinced that Belle was truly in love with John, she helped her cousin into her wedding gown and proclaimed her the most radiant bride she'd ever seen. I suppose that means my eyes aren't bloodshot any longer, Belle joked. She'd let loose quite a torrent of tears. That's Dancing at Midnight. No? No, you are correct. Sorry, oh, I was, I was making, say, wait a minute. I was adding some tension into this. Well, because I was like, yeah. wait, it said Belle was the bride, right? Because they're both in yeah. different books. They both get married in different books, but mm-hmm. it's like, which one is the bride? Okay. I picked that one just to hear that that character read, honestly, okay. How, okay. how fun I think that clip is. Um, so perfect score so far, but of course you have experience on The Weakest Link. So. It's true. It's yeah, true. But I don't have this. a clicker. That would be really tough if I had a buzzer <laughs> like Jeopardy. Here's clip number three. I am not saying that I would marry someone awful, Sarah said with a sniff. But if Lord Chatteris just happened to fall desperately in love with me, he's not going to, Honoria said baldly. Um, no, no, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I... It took me a minute to remember the book, Nate. Is, is it The Sum of All Kisses? It is not. I'm thinking Just Like Heaven, then. You are correct. It okay. is Just Like Heaven. <laughs> All right, we've got just a little bit more time, so on to clip number four. At first, Poppy thought the ladies might be discussing the hats they had just purchased, but she quickly revised her theory. Their eyes were flashing with too much excitement. The blonde, in particular, looked almost as if she might burst with joy. She was in love. Poppy was sure of it. That's the other Miss Bridgerton. That is the other Miss Bridgerton. So we got one clip left. You are so close to pitching a perfect game. Okay. Not trying to jinx you, but here is clip number five. He never mentioned it. And here I thought the two of you told each other everything. Not everything, Cecilia said, mostly to herself. She certainly had not written to Thomas about how much she enjoyed hearing from Edward in his letters to her. If she had had the chance to sit with her brother, to talk with him face to face... Would she have told him that she was a little bit in love with his best friend? That's the girl with the make-believe husband. That is correct. Julia Quinn, you have got a perfect score on the self-awareness game. Thank you. You you, you pitched me some some softballs there. (laughs) I have a feeling there might be a few authors I've had on before who are like listening and being like, why didn't I get it off so so easy? I know. I I feel like I can't do it. Greg Isles is going to be real mad. Oh, no. (laughs) But but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, you did include the character names in every single clip. But I do that for everybody. Oh, really? I I always include at least one character name in every clip. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. 
So, so no excuses. Congratulations on winning. <laughs> we'll right. give you your, your door prize on the way out. There's Ooh, no actual door okay. prize. I'll um, take coffee. Julia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for making it so much fun. This was awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you again to Julia Quinn. Her next work is First Come Scandal, which is available for pre-order now. We've come to our Romance Writers Roundtable. I want you to picture yourself as an attendee of the RWA conference. It's the end of the day. Your feet hurt. You're lugging around all your swag bags and you pop into a cafe to get some coffee. And there, you see all of your favorite romance writers in the corner talking shop. This is your chance to be a fly on the wall and listen to what makes them tick. With that, I'll let Sharis take it away. Uh, hey, it's Sharis Michaels here with um, some of my favorite best-selling um, romance novelist friends. And we're here to talk romance fiction, where it's been, where it's going, and how we feel about writing. Um, I was hoping we could just go around the table and introduce ourselves and say kind of what we write at the moment. So I'm Sharis Michaels, and I write Regency historicals. I'm Megan Frampton. I write Victorian set uh, historical romance. I'm Jennifer Ryan. I write romantic suspense and women's fiction. Uh, I'm Alicia Rye. I write contemporary romance. Um, so that's kind of a fraction of what romance is at the moment. It's a good sampling. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, if you weren't writing your current subgenre, is there another type of romance that you would like to be writing? Um, I actually, over the winter when I was waiting for revisions, I wrote the first three chapters of a contemporary romance, urban set, very like young and cutting edge, but with a light faith issue, like super light, but still. And I've not seen anything else like it because so-called inspirational romance is frequently about like mail order brides or Amish people, which good for them. It just doesn't interest me. So this is totally different. I'm not sure what I was going to do with it, but that's, that's what I would like to feel out. I'm trying to think. Um, the thing I love to read outside of historical romances, I read a lot of fantasy. And I guess if, if I actually could do it, I'd like to write that. But since I can't, I think um, I, I did publish another book that's a contemporary women's fiction book, and I think I'd probably go back to that. Um, I'm actually toying with an idea with that now. So, yeah. Um, I actually, since I write romantic suspense, just to read and get out of my head, I actually love reading historical romances. So I read a ton of those. But um, I don't think I could ever write one with all the history and stuff. I can't. That's a lot of research. Um, but I did write a, um, a book that it's kind of contemporary, but I wrote, it's, I set the series name as, as then and now. So I actually wrote a YA book, but half of a book was like 60,000 words, where what happened to them as teenagers. And then I wrote mm. the contemporary romance of them coming back together oh, wow. years oh. later after what happened to them as kids. So it was kind of like 
writing two genres as one book. And it was really fun to write. And I have the book and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. But (laughs) it turned out really cool to be able to be like, instead of writing the contemporary and saying, this is what happened back then, I actually wrote what happened. It's like one of those sweeping epics from back in the day. Mm. You should publish them together. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to do. Part one, part two. Part one, part two, where it's then, this is what happened then, and that's that's what's... Mm. um, you know, who they are now. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. <laughs> that is cool. I, I would, um, I'd write zombies. Oh, like yes. anything zombies. Mm-hmm. I love zombies. Um, I actually wrote a post-apocalyptic romance. It did not do well. Um, and it's currently <laughs> out of print for a reason. Um, but uh, yeah, I would, you know, Walking Dead, call me. I'll, what do you, I'll write what do you like it. about zombies? I, You know, what I think I love about post-apocalyptic in general is the survival mm-hmm. aspect of it. Like, I really like to think about ways like, you know, how could you, how could you get past this, you know, and how would you band together and, um, and, you know, where's the hope in it? And, and zombies are just cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's that sexy walk there. Yeah. 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 I mean, the zombies wouldn't be in the romance. Like, they oh, wouldn't be oh, oh, falling in oh. love. Not okay. a zombie romance, be, right. but a romance. Yeah, a romance. Correct. The zombies, zombies would be right. the supporting okay. cast. Got yes, it. correct. Um, so if you, if one of your books is an audiobook, have you listened to it? What is, what is that like? Um, and have you changed the way that you write thinking eventually this might or will be an audiobook? Uh, I have not listened to my audiobook, but I don't think my, the way I would write would change because I hear everything in my head when I write anyway. So it's kind of like, a voice, the same voice, although my voice is kind of obnoxious, so a much better voice saying the words that are in my head. So I think it would only be improved, but I haven't listened yet. But I don't have a commute. I don't, you know, so I haven't tried them yet. I've listened, I listen to every single one of the audios, like the snippet that they give to me. Mm. And that's about as far as I can get because hearing somebody say my words back to me, like, I don't know what it is. It really creeps me out. (laughs) I'm like, stop saying what I've written. I just, I can't listen to it. But my husband, um, when I first started writing, he doesn't like to like read a book. So he downloaded the audio books and that's how he would read my books. Mm -hmm. He has an hour and a half commute each way to work. And so every day he would read, he would listen to my audio books. He got about eight books in and was just like, okay, babe, I like, I love what you do. You're really great author, but I'm tapping out now. <laughs> He's like, this is just not the genre that I like. He's he would rather read like a science fiction or a zombie apocalypse than, you You're know, great. a romance novel. But he's like, I get what you do. You're really great at it, but I'm done. <laughs> There is, I don't know, I cannot listen to my own words. There's some, like, cringe factor, at, you know, where I'm like, I would feel the same way, though, if somebody was reading my book in front of me. Though. Yeah, like, I can't do it. reading over my shoulder. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I don't like that. Um, yeah. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from my fans who love the audiobooks, yeah, and I have the same narrator for almost all of my books, and they love her. So they're yeah. they're always just like, oh, when's the next one coming? When will it be Colleen? And I'm like, it will be. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have their own following, like they a do. fan base. Right. It's really yeah. amazing, really right. amazing. And I'm, so I have a lot of audio fans who, as soon as I announce, oh, this next book is coming out, they'll email or Facebook me and say, is there an audiobook? And I'm like, of course there is, and they can't wait. 
Well, let's talk about the moment we fell in love with romance novels. What was the first romance you ever met, read, and um, just what was, how did it resonate? My first romance I ever read was Almost Heaven by Judith McNaught, mm-hmm. and I read it when I was 16 um, on a trip to Disney World. It's like combining my two favorite things, Disney World and a romance novel. Um, I think, so my first romance novel was a Barbara Cartland uh, because I'm a thousand years old. And um, I read it when I was about 11 years old. It was called The Penniless Pier. Mm. And I still remember, and her name was Fenella. Um, I forget what his, oh, his name I think was Periquin, which we then named one of our lamps Periquin for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I had a fun household growing up. But um, so, yeah, I and... I lived at the time, I lived in a tiny town in New Hampshire of about a thousand people. And that was the only entertainment we had because there was one television station. um, And then I think our TV broke. Um, And so, yeah, I I bonded with those books and I spent all of my allowance on Barbara Cartland's. I don't actually remember the first book I read. My mom, I'm... gave me, you know, it was an Nora Roberts book, but I don't remember what the title Mm -hmm. was. And I read that book and then realized that inside the jacket there were so many books listed. (laughs) And so I just basically went to her over to her house and raided her Nora Roberts selection and brought them all home. And I thought, this is the most amazing thing. Not only did she write like a single book, but they're in series and they like go together. And I was like, this is amazing. And so I just devoured everything she wrote. Um, I don't like you. I don't remember the exact author. It was, um, but I, I used to go to the library every day after school. So I was kind of one of those kids who was raised by the library until my, you know, mom was done with work, and then she'd come and pick me up, and my homework would be done and everything. Um, but when I wasn't doing my homework at the library, I was walking the stacks, uh, you know. And I, I remember seeing a historical romance, and it might have been Shirley Busby, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. um, and, and I just remember, I was 13 years old, this was pre-Tumblr, and I was like, this man looks good. And I picked up to get home. But one of my like first glom authors was Jane Ann Krantz mm. yeah. and oh, yeah. Amanda Quick and Amanda Jane Castle. Yeah. Um, and Jane was kind enough to uh, blurb my newest book, and I oh, cried. Wow. Oh, my gosh, I cried when I got that because I remember thinking like oh my god I used to cart your books home mm-hmm. from the library hide them in my backpack so my parents wouldn't see and it was it, like you know everything else was just gravy after that so yeah nice milestone <laughs> there's something about a romance reader that the themes in romance novels it just resonates and you were like this book is written for me this book celebrates the things that interest me and it's more than Love, although love is a big part of it, it's friendship, it's family, it's capable women, it's um, beautiful gardens and and homes and fashion. And, you know, there are a lot of topics covered in romance novels, but there are some themes in most that you're just like, finally, someone is talking just to me. And that's the way I felt when I read um, my first Judith McNaught. I want to talk about um, romance fan bases our fans, they're so um, they're so dedicated, and they read so many books, um, and then they want to get to know us almost personally and interact with us online or in person. Just talk about fans. Let's talk about um, what's the best way to interact with fans. Um, 
I sometimes liken romance readers to comic book fanboys because they read so many a week, sometimes as many as three a week, and they just, you know, comic books have a lot of hyperbole in them. Romance novels have a lot of hyperbole. It's sort of that larger-than-life story um, and just super dedicated. And my most powerful moments with readers are just meeting them face-to-face. And, you know, when you broadcast something or you have an ad or whatever, you're reaching so many people at one time. But that one-on-one across the signing table, and I truly love meeting people. Where are you from? I love your jewelry. Tell me about—I want to know about people, and so I love I love to meet the readers. And those are the people that I see following me on Facebook later or that I can interact with in a way that's substantial and— I would say the same thing, except for then I'd also extend, um, if any fan really wants to get to know me, they just have to follow me on Twitter. That's pretty much the way I am, except for maybe a little funnier, I think, on Twitter <laughs> than in real life. But um, No, that's uh, a lie. <laughs> there are actually fewer faces on Twitter. I make a lot of faces. <laughs> My husband calls me poker face for a reason. Um but yes, that moment, I w- we were talking about KissCon, which is an event that a bunch of Avon authors did in Chicago earlier this year. And I got to meet some people that were gushing about my books. And really, I don't, which that sounds like I'm self-aggrandizing, but um, it it felt so wonderful and so remarkable to have somebody say, wow, oh my God, I love this. And do you remember when you did that? And of course, I didn't remember because I don't remember writing my books after I do. But it was great to meet the people and feel that connection with them. It's like a reader says, I get it. I yeah. get what you were going for. And I'm like, yes, thank you. We both get it. Yeah. It's a special yeah. moment. Yeah, I cover some heavy topics in several of my books. And at the KissCon, too, I had somebody come up to me and ask me about Jamie from His Cowboy Heart. And Jamie is an ex um she is ex-military and comes home and is suffering from PSD and is at her lowest, lowest point. And she said, you know, I was really, really depressed when I picked up this book and I was afraid to read it because I knew that the, the girl was suffering from PTSD. But she said, seeing Jamie overcome that in the book gave me hope that I oh could too. Goodness. And I was just like, okay. And yeah. then, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. I'm about to cry. And then um, the dedication, she said, and the dedication in the book really touched me because I dedicated to the book to all the readers out there who can overcome just like Jamie overcame. And so she's just like, the whole thing just got me. And I'm like, you're just like getting me now. <laughs> but I think that's what you want to do is, you know, to reach out to your fans and be like, you know, somebody does understand you. And here's a story about somebody who maybe is at their lowest point, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to rise above and find love in their life and find happiness in their life. And I think that's what romance does is, you know, you've got that guaranteed happy ever after at the end of the story. But it, in, especially in my books, it doesn't start out that way, um, but you can get there. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the great things about our genre is that it deals with emotions and feelings. and But generally, when you're writing those emotions and feelings, you're alone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're by yourself. And so even if you have some, you know, test readers and stuff, it's not the same as, you know, um, somebody doing a project with you. Like, you're in your own head. So when it goes out in the world and and people come to you and they say, you know, we connected with this. This made us feel something. And you think, oh, my God, like... Great, I did my job, but also like I think it's natural for them to sort of feel a connection with you that way. Um, and that is, you know, social media has made our world so small. It's wonderful meeting people in person, 
but it it is also so nice just to get a message or a tweet or you know an Instagram uh, message or follow from from people who are like, oh, I I read something that you created and it made me feel some kind of way. Yeah, my fans know too now that um, if they, because I'm always writing, so I'm always on my computer, and so they know that if they like Facebook message me privately, that I'll I usually answer within minutes. Yeah, yeah and yeah. um and so and now they so I have several like fans who will message me because they know that I'll give them spoilers. I'll be like, well, right this minute I'm writing about this, and it's <laughs> oh, like wow. this book, and I'm like, and you're the only person who knows that now. <laughs> You're gonna have Except a lot of people that. Right now. <laughs> Open that can now of worms. That you've up. That. Yeah. But I will do that. That's like the only place I actually give spoilers to people is like on through oh, my Facebook page. I'll be sweet. like, um, especially they'll email and be like, oh, there I, I connect all my books, you know, by characters. I'll put a secondary character in a book and they eventually will get their books. So I get a lot of Facebook messages like when is or so emails. And so when is yeah. so and so coming? And I'll be like, well, guess what? I just wrote that book, and here's kind of what it's about. And I'll give them a little bit of a snippet for it, and so they know they've gotten. I'm like, and you're the only one who knows. <laughs> so that'd be Jennifer Ryan's Facebook page. Yeah. Just <laughs> FYI, is the place to be. Yeah, and I will be back on Facebook soon. <laughs> Spoiler alert: They get married at the end. Yeah, <laughs> um, live happily ever after. I think that that is distinctive to romance. Is readers can reach out and talk to us Mm -hmm. personally and Mm -hmm. we want to talk to them and we want to talk back. I mean, nobody is writing James Cameron and getting him writing. And we're, you know, whatever, maybe we're not at that level, but still... Um, we, I want to talk to readers. I want to, um, hear what they have to say about my work and I want to hear about their lives. And so we're able to have like a little relationship that's very authentic. And I think it's special. I think it's distinctive to us being women and, and our readers being women for the most part. And just to romances about, I mean, books that are romances, which are about connections, mm-hmm. you know, at the deepest level. Um, so now what would we say is the hardest part about being, um, a romance novelist. Um, I don't. I don't enjoy Facebook. <laughs> I find posting on social media to be a real challenge, and I need to just get over it and do it. I, I do it when I have something really to say, but writing every day feels a name to me in a way that bothers me, and so I just I need to get over that. That's my challenge. I think my challenge is probably the opposite, where I need to. Get the hell off Twitter. <laughs> Go write some words that actually, you know, move the plot along as opposed to me complaining about being tired or my coffee's cold or the cat's on me, which you'll see those posts. Actually, the cat on me is a almost daily thing on Twitter. <laughs> well, I'd love to go to the gym, but the cat's on me. But <laughs> um, but then the hardest part about writing, I think, is, is for me, is uh, consistency and... Writing every day, I think it's really important because I can easily get sideswept, as a lot of women can, where you don't put yourself and your own tasks and your own things that you have to do first. You end up doing things like sweeping the kitchen floor because you notice something or, uh, I don't know what, getting engrossed in some sort of paperwork that only you can do. And I think it's really important um, that as authors that we prioritize ourselves and that I get off Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not great at the social media stuff either. I don't. Po- I usually just post about, oh, well, the next book is coming. But I'm so busy writing that I kind of like let social media slide until I really have to do it. But I think the hardest part for me about writing a book is something kind of really silly. It's um, naming people. I 
<laughs> I find it just it was like, very hard. Yeah, yeah. So especially like in the first chapters or so, like, I, and I've even turned in a book and gotten caught on it because I forgot to go back and, um, you know, find and replace. But like the secondary characters, I know the main characters' names. I've like, you know, usually established them in another book. But then the secondary characters, I'll just like, I get tired of like thinking of a name or, or I'm too, I want to just get through the mm. the scene and then I'll go back to it. And so I'll put like XX for a female or YY mm. for a male. And so I've actually turned in books where they're like, who is XX and what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah, just pick a name, any name and stick it in there. <laughs> but I find like it's, you want the name to be right. And so I like, I stress over it. It's like naming a child yeah. almost for me. And, and you're I, prolific. So yeah. You will you will might be in danger of reusing names. So if you're not I actually made a mistake in a book where I I wrote it was book four of the hunted series, I think. Where or no, it was book one. I named the lawyer that I never thought would have his own book, Ben Knight. And then in book four or three I actually give the uncle, he's, his name is Knight as well, the last name. And then I had to write book five, which was then the lawyer's book. And I didn't realize that this random lawyer is now the same name as the other uncle in the book. And so I was like, okay, so now he's actually the cousin of the the main guy in book three, oh, so apparently, them. I oh. had to do something because they had the same name. <laughs> I was like, how can I fix this? Which is, you know, you think about it in real life, a lot of people have the same name. But for us, we're like, no, yeah. we'll get confused. And some people call it out. readers are yeah. going to call it related. out. And yeah. so I was like, he's the cousin. So the uncle is actually the, the lawyer's father's brother. And I was like, so then these two guys kind of one one side grew up wealthy the other side didn't <laughs> there you go. and so I, I was like I the was whole plot like, yeah, yeah. I had to create yeah. this whole plot around my mess up <laughs> I mean it, names are hard I, I honestly think the hardest part about writing is just writing yeah. for me like that is and every time I go to start a new book I think this will be my easy book and then it's like uh, <laughs> no it's not and you know it, it is like throwing them like a you know, ball uphill. Like I feel like, you know, at some point I have like a bulletin board and there's like random strings attached to things and post-it notes everywhere. Um, like I'm putting conspiracy theories together and it's crazy. <laughs> and so I, I, I do think like it's just, it's just getting it all together and, and somehow, I don't know how it always seems to come together, but so far I've been you know, knock on wood, pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I spend the first 40,000 words going, this is never going to work. I don't yeah, know why I'm writing least, this. Yeah. Yeah. This is I just, just crap. Quit. I should just I like, should start a farm. Maybe I should yeah. start over. <laughs> <laughs> and Moved then about 50,000 yeah. words, I'm like, this maybe isn't so bad. It's it's moving along now. you got to get over that hump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, great. This has been a lot of fun. I love talking about romance and being with my fellow authors. So thanks, ladies, for talking today. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for letting me be a fly on the wall. During all that. <laughs> and I'm now just booming into the listeners' uh, ears and they're going, what's going on? Uh, so you've survived the easy part, which is the oh, round yes. table. Oh, oh yes. right. I forgot about that. Yes. And now yes. we're here for the hard part. Um, as you can Let's all hear, we've got the very uh, 
very plain looking, uh, but not not plain inside Harper Audio grab bag. Uh, my lunch is not in here. This is all questions that we have got from other authors and from uh, other parts unknown. I can't guarantee these questions will be good. <laughs> but if we can have each one of you answer a question and then also leave a question mm-hmm. so that a future guest on the show will also be... Uh, torture, torture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the most legal form of torture in the world, awesome. is the Harper Audio grab bag. So let's actually, let's go in reverse order. Yeah, just okay. switch it up. Yeah. Here you are. Great, I did want to go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to shake these up. Mm-hmm. Already cursing whoever came before us. I got a great question, <laughs> I have to say. My question is... Why do fools fall in love? Oh, oh how, how appropriate is this? Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't know why fools fall in love. You know, love is a lot of work, and it can be a lot of pain, and it can be a lot of hardship. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we're all kind of seeking some sort of human connection with each other, probably more so now as we get more technologically advanced. Um, and we are all fools to some extent. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's it. I think we're all just looking for looking for something out there. When you were listing all the things that love is, I was shocked that you didn't say love is a battlefield as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should have sang it. What to do? How do you deal with uncomfortable silences? I'm usually the one doing the uncomfortable <laughs> silence, like not knowing what to say. Um, I don't know. I usually smile and giggle a lot, and so that usually, like, breaks the silence. I mean, people around me usually, once I start smiling and giggling, they can't help it. They're just like, what's up? (laughs) Hey, hey, Jennifer, what's up? up? (laughs) Let's see. All right. Uh, Oh, yeah. Could you name drop the most famous person you know for us? Do you mean no, like, actually... They would know who I am, or that I've met. I'm curious. Ooh, about it that. can be. It can be either. I think these are all open to the interpretation both? of both. Yeah, who you've both. met and yeah. like who you know. Who I know. All right. Well, who I met. David Bowie is probably Ooh. the most famous. I um, in my previous career, I was in the music industry and I did um, talent wrangling. He was lovely. He said my name the right way the first time. <laughs> Iman did not look at me. Mm-hmm. I will. Say, but I'm shorter than she is. He was not shorter than I am. He was about my height. Um, most famous person I know in real life who knows me? <sighs> oh, probably, this is going to sound, I don't know if she's, well, Emily Nussbaum, who's the TV critic for The New Yorker, is my next door neighbor. And uh, we walk their dog and, <laughs> you know, hang out and drink wine on the stoop and stuff. So I guess she's... Yeah. Hey, Emily. <laughs> she has a new book out now, too, oh, called uh, I Like to Watch. What's but your in, favorite program? Oh, see, we don't agree on television. I was going to say, do you, yeah. do you have to like, hide well, if you, I, I'll if you say watch something. Like, trashy I'll be like, TV? oh, Game of Thrones. No, what? Yeah. no. I'll say Game of Thrones. She's like, oh, I don't like the way they treat women on that. I'm like, oh, you're right. But I like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Emily, what's your favorite show? I like to watch Dexter. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
Uh, what's your favorite joke? <laughs> oh, oh yes. no. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, what, good is, one. what is your favorite joke? Um, oh, my goodness. I don't have a favorite joke. <gasps> But when we were when the gentlemen were setting up all of this audio, I noticed that they were all wearing plaid shirts, <laughs> and so I said, "Oh, I don't know if I can stay in here because I didn't wear my plaid shirt." That's, that's my that's my that's sad attempt. That's my mom humor. I think that's pretty great. I think it's also great that we all paused for a moment because none of us had realized that we were all wearing the like, same. Uh, knock knock. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a look at the moment, and I actually do have a lot of gingham, but didn't wear it today. <laughs> I have a lot of gingham too. Most shirts that I have could also double as like a picnic table, like tablecloth. You never so, know when yeah. you might need a yeah. surplus picnic table covering. That's so. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you have you heard the joke about paper? No. no. Oh, never mind. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So thank you all again for being here today thank and for, for going you. through this yeah, Tom Foolery. Thanks for having us. No, thank the pleasure is all ours. Thank you for your interest in romance. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. problem. Yeah. A big thank you to all the Roundtable authors for taking the time to chat with us. Sheris Michaels' most recent Bridges of Belgravia entry is You May Kiss the Duke, which is on sale now. Alicia Rise, The Right Swipe, which is like You've Got Mail for Millennials, just went on sale. Megan Frampton's latest Duke's Daughter novel, Never a Bride, is on sale now. And Jennifer Ryan's latest standalone contemporary romance is The Me I Used to Be. Say it with me, it's on sale now. Harper Audio Presents is a presentation of HarperCollins Publishers. Our staff includes Beth Ives, Fometa Sawyer, Nathan Rossborough, and me, Andrew Caberline. Follow us on Instagram at HarperAudio and reach out to us on Twitter at HarperAudio Presents. <laughs>